Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Discourse and Text Expander from Smile. I'm Simone Rochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. I just had a moment of fear that that was not your title. <sighs> <laughs> it, it, I think it's still my title. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's still my title. But like, if you'd said one of the other variations of that same title I've had, I would have not been mad. I would have been like, that's fine. Yeah, welcome to episode 340 of Rocket, where, where I still don't know what my co-hosts do for a living. Uh, Brianna is not with us this week. She has a fever. So we, what did she ask us to do? She asked us for something. She asked us for something. I'm pulling up the WhatsApp now because Gotta she wanted, out. we're going to pull we this up. We owe her a favor. She said, do it for the Gipper. <laughs> yeah. She's like, please tell our listeners that she will only be able to recover if they rate and review, um, if they rate and review the podcast. And if they don't, she fears that she might die. So you yes. have to rate and review this podcast five stars. I mean, I guess you don't have to get five stars. That would really make her recovery she, better. Yeah, she didn't specify five stars. So that's on her. That's that a bad on business her. deal on her part. That, that is. So rate and review. <laughs> if, 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 if you don't want to rate us five stars, that's that's on Brie. Um, I do feel like it would probably help her recovery. So I think yeah. the, the messages will travel faster. I think so. Yeah. More star power. Um. Well, okay, but nevertheless, we have a very exciting uh, show for you this week, and she she really is doing fine. Uh, she will be back with us hopefully next week and feeling a lot better, but got to give everyone the week off. Uh, all right, so we have a very exciting show for you. We're going to be talking, of course, about the new model of the Nintendo Switch, as well as some social media tangles happening globally and here at home in the United States of A. Finally, we'll be closing things out with uh, another exciting mini scam town segment for you. This one about Xbox gift cards. But first, let's dive in. So Nintendo, after years of speculation about is it going to be a 4K Nintendo Switch? Is it going to have the incredible graphics and the, the faster refresh rate, the fastest refresh rate ever? We don't know. Nintendo has announced a 7-inch 720p OLED Nintendo Switch uh, that will be coming out. There are a few other changes besides the screen, although that is the main one. Uh, it will have an adjustable stand, and it will feature a new dock that has a wired mm -hmm. Ethernet port built into it, as well as improved audio uh, for when you are using it in handheld or tabletop mode. Uh, I also want to note the dock will be sold separately as well. So if you have the original Nintendo Switch, uh, you can buy the dock separately. Um, and the original Joy-Cons and all existing games will also work with the new OLED model of the Switch. But uh, I, the main conversation has been, what? We were <laughs> promised a new Nintendo Switch Pro with the 4K and the new games for the new Zeldas and the new Metroids. What is this OLED abomination? Um, what do you think about this, Christina? So it's interesting. It, we're never going to find out for sure, but this totally feels like this is one of those things where Nintendo probably had wanted to do a more substantial hardware refresh, mm. is unable to get the chips because of the global chip shortage that we've talked about many times on this show, um, and uh, but was able to source the OLED screens, which is not a small feat because that's been more difficult to do. And was kind of sitting on all this stuff and was like, well, we don't want to do nothing. So 
okay, let's let's release uh, an updated model that is essentially the same but has you know a couple of mm-hmm. modifications. Um, that's my take on it. Is is that this is one of those things that I don't know if we would get this exact same product if not for the pandemic and the supply chain issues. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are pretty heated about it. Uh, I am not one of them. Uh, I feel like if you if you have the original Switch and you're waiting for the 4K model, you can still keep waiting, and it's going to be very mm-hmm. exciting if that does eventually come out. But the fact is, as a Sean Hollister wrote in a very uh, I found convincing piece over on The Verge, the Nintendo Switch has apparently been the best-selling console in the U.S. for 30 months. (laughs) So the fact of the matter is the thing is still selling really well. And this is the second, Mm -hmm. you know, refresh of the Switch with a slightly improved battery life and all that. Um, So people, people still really desire this console and it's selling extremely, extremely well. And Nintendo has a history of releasing 5 million iterations of their consoles, which they can do because it's not as, you know, as hefty and expensive as releasing, say, 5,000 iterations of the uh, Xbox One X, which, like, Microsoft, of course, still does release, like, various sizes of their Xboxes. But if you look at uh, what Nintendo has done with, say, the 3DS, for example... Their last uh, portable handheld, there was the Nintendo 3DS, the, the like the new 3DS, the Nintendo yep. 3DS XL, the, the uh, new 3DS oh, XL. And if you include the DS, the regular DS in that, it, the list gets even bigger. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it very much, I feel that this in no way discounts Nintendo releasing a 4K Switch or no. a, like Switch XL or whatever it's going to be called somewhere down the line. It's very much in line with like their their regular practice of releasing a billion like little iterations on a console that everyone is buying because it has a very specific appeal and is also in general cheaper than everything yeah. else out there. Yeah. So this is from a, a tweet that that he included that that and the tweet doesn't even include all the variations. I, I should note it has most of them, but but it goes through at least for the for the portable stuff. There was the Game Boy. There was the Game Boy Pocket. This is actually interesting because the Game Boy Pocket I think came out in ninety five or ninety six. Um, also does not mention the colored Game Boy things, which were the same mm-hmm. as the Game Boy, but were in different variations. The Game Boy Pocket though was the aluminum one that had a better screen smaller form factor but it was still black and white stuff that was released i think maybe only a year maybe less than that Mm -hmm. before the game boy color which had almost the same form factor it wasn't aluminum but it was um different colored iterations and had the colored screen upgraded internals then you had the game boy advance then you had the game boy advance sp which is the good one then you had the game (laughs) boy micro which was cute but terrible because you couldn't play the old original yeah. Game Boy games. Then you had the the Nintendo DS. You had the DS Lite. You had the DSi. You had the DSi XL. Then you had the 3DS. You had the 3DS XL. You had the 2DS. Then you had the new 3DS. Then you had the new 3DS XL. <laughs> and in, 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 the, in the, the graphic mis- um, doesn't include this. Then you had the new 2DS XL. So like... He's exactly yeah. right. This is totally something that in- Nintendo, I could totally see them doing. Like, and I right think now we get... have the Switch, the Switch Lite, and now right. this this new Switch, which I'm actually the, this, not the sure. The new Switch. 
What's I think they're just calling it Switch, and then it's in parentheses OLED. Which fair enough, Nintendo. Fair enough. You do like, you. whatever. Totally. So yeah. So I could totally see us getting a Switch 4K or Switch Pro or or whatever once they have you know chips yeah. that they can put in it. If that's really what the holdup is. Oh goodness. And yeah, I think the the chip shortage, as you mentioned, is the other really important thing. It's just not a good time to to switch chipsets. Um, they, I, there, there have been shortages of Nintendo Switches. There were shortages of Nintendo Switches last year. There have been shortages of basically everything that involves a chip, uh, for the last year. And that will be ongoing for the next years. While. The next while. Yeah. Um, so uh, while I, I definitely, it's not out of bounds to imagine that they could be working on a more powerful Switch, it's just not a great time to release one. Um, yeah. it's, it's very smart, I think. Even even if the like hardcore original Switch buyers, who I guess even <laughs> four years after buying a console, are ready to buy another version of that same console. Right. <laughs> even Wait, if no, those exactly. people aren't going to buy it, there are still people out there who want Nintendo Switches and totally. want to get it without, you know, competing with all of the click happy gamers who are looking for their 4k switches which again is not to say that there won't be shortages because of course there will be i imagine this will probably sell out (laughs) no i'm sure that it will i'm sure i'm like already i've actually been put on the case for people to get me to 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 be able to secure um new oled switches when, when they go available like people are already worried about that so people are worried about like demand like that's not a problem to worry about um alex kranz um uh my good friend and and also friend of the pod she also wrote for the verge you know nintendo never needed to fix the switch it's not broken which i think is fair like and that's not to say that there aren't things that we wouldn't like like an addendum but other than joy-con drift which which she does acknowledge which you know like and and that's something that they've they've fixed, I think, in in some of the other. Look, I, I'm curious a- about yeah, I'm curious about the new Joy Cons, but from what I've heard from anecdotally, has just been that it's still a huge problem. Yeah, and I'm sure that it is. Um, although at the same time, it's weird. It's like I hear from certain people that it's a problem. I have not personally experienced it, um, except ironically on the one that Bree sold me that had it, and then I used the Nintendo warranty to get replacements. Um, I have like maybe slight stuff on one of mine, but to be honest, like I think most people who play that much, not all of them, because it's a real problem. And Nintendo, you know, offers warranty service for a reason. But I think most people who play like that much on a Switch probably use an external controller in a lot of cases. So part of it, part of me does kind of wonder like how big of an issue it is. I think it's a pretty huge issue. I, I would say for me, it's one of the outstanding things that I would really like to see addressed with the Nintendo Switch. No, no, and I agree with that. I just, I just mean in terms of like, we think about how many like millions and millions and millions of people own the Switch. I don't know. Mm. Like, obviously, in our circle, we know people who are impacted by it, but I don't know if like the normos are running into it. If that makes sense, that is a good question. I guess a- anecdotally, I have heard of it affecting people even without having played very very long hours but i don't have the the numbers to back right. that up but but anyway i would listener sound off <laughs> yeah let us know like like have you experienced have you not but e- even putting that aside because i don't i don't feel like the joy con issue is going to be fixed i feel like the only thing that'll fix that would be redesigning the joy cons to be totally oh. honest and, and 
I mean, I do. I mean, otherwise, I think that it would have been fixed already. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, do you? So, th- sorry, really quick question before you finish the sentence that I've been stopping you from finishing. Do you think that were they to release a, a legitimate Nintendo Switch Pro, do you think that they could take that chance to re rework the Joy-Cons as well? Yeah, I do. And in that case, I think that they would probably make it in a situation where it wouldn't be backward compatible or maybe not forward compatible, right? Like maybe you could use the old Joy-Cons with the new unit, but you wouldn't necessarily mm. be able to use the new ones with the old one. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. But but that's just complete like theory on my part. I have no idea. What I was going to say, though, is that like even putting that issue aside, because there's no like promise that these new Joy-Cons are going to be fixed. In fact, I don't expect them to be, you know, I mean, so she's kind of right, though. I mean, like her point was kind of like it's not broken. I think that what a lot of people are happy with. I mean, there are plenty of people who would love a 4K model and who want more processing power, and I, I feel them. Um, and, and certainly some games are running up against, you know, the limitations of the hardware. However, like, it's a great system. It's continued to be the best-selling system. More and more games are coming mm-hmm. to it. I think that it's going to be, like, Nintendo knows what they're doing. Maybe they could sell more units if it were a true upgrade, but for a $50 premium for a bigger screen, a lot of people um, also at The Verge, um, Sam Byford wrote like that he said like a bigger, better Switch screen is exactly what I wanted. Because a lot of people really like the Switch Lite. And a lot of people do want to do more handheld stuff and and would like have improved battery life and pl- improved uh, tabletop mode. I'll be honest, I never used the kickstand ever. <laughs> I like I never ever ever have it on a table i've used it on the airplane yeah i I guess i've used it on the airplane but even on the airplane i'm like usually i'm like i just have it in my hands i don't know yeah generally i would have it in my hands but i I usually use it um with the kickstand and then with one joy con in each hand because my wrists are fragile little baby bird wrists and that makes uh, sense i've been having so much like weird wrist problem from over gaming no, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Also, in fairness, I bought a Switch Lite for the airplane, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, which which was kind of a mistake in retrospect, but that was really what I bought the Switch Lite for. But, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, I think that, that she makes a good point. Um, I'm sure people would very much like, look, we would all like it. But yeah, everyone to, to would see more like things, it. But, everyone would buy it. It would also be sold out. Um, and I understand the frustration, but I think we all have to accept that this will also sell like hotcakes mm-hmm. um <laughs> so okay of uh, of a legitimate next version of the nintendo switch christina putting aside what everyone else wants what is it that you want yeah so i do think that i uh 4k support and like better processor i think are the big things i think that like i, I want like more more memory and and like a just a more powerful processor to be able to keep up like i don't need it to be like a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. I don't need that. But mm-hmm. at least the ability to run some upscale stuff. I don't even need it to be native 4K if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Like just doing up-res stuff. If they were able to use DLSS, um, assuming they stick with the NVIDIA, which I, I imagine they'd have to, um, I think that that would be, you know, like fine. Um, so assuming if they were using DLSS, which is like their AI kind of up-res technology, if they were using something like that and and – um, letting the the tech do that, like I I wouldn't even necessarily need native 4K, but I think that just having the ability to make it look better, you know, would be nice. But for me, honestly, the bigger thing would just be to be a little bit faster and have a little bit more um, uh, memory. And then also, as you said, I would like them to actually address the the Joy Con like 
issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the secondary thing, honestly, and this is a thing that like I don't think the new Switch is going to solve. Like, I want Nintendo to get their online service stuff together. <sighs> yes. This is something they can be working on right now, Nintendo. Yeah. If you're listening, you can do this for us. Yeah, you right now. You can do it and and you can like let everybody benefit from that, right? Like honestly. Um so that would be honestly like more than any of the hardware stuff like for me a lot I mean there are hardware things that I want, but for me like I really want them to get their their online service in check. What about you other than like fixing the Joy-Cons? What are the big ones that you would want from like the next Switch not not just me, the OLED upgrade. like you said, it's processor. Just if it were faster, that would be nice. I think that would be something I would notice. I don't think that 4K would make a huge difference for me. I My eyes just don't um, care, uh, <laughs> which is my burden to bear, all of you. Um, and then the other thing, you know what I would like them to do? And this is yet another thing that they could do right now, um, would be adding menu music. Yeah. So get cool. me some new classic Nintendo jams. I know that's an oxymoron, but I don't care. Oh, and um, better battery life. Like, I I, I, yeah. I, like the battery life on the Switch. It will mostly last me a flight, or I'll be able to charge it on the flight. But if we could squeeze a couple more hours out of that bad boy, I think that would be yeah. a huge difference. No, that'd be massive. Oh, and the other thing I would want, Bluetooth. I want, like, better oh, Bluetooth stuff. Oh, my God, Cause, yes. Cause- being able to use my AirPods with the mm-hmm. switch. Yeah, cuz right now I do have to carry around an extra my only pair of um 3.5 millimeter headphones. Yeah, or you have to use a weird <laughs> dongle. Like it's 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 a pain. So yeah, I would really like to have like better bluetooth support. Um uh, like real bluetooth support would be would be massive. Mhm. All right, so those are our minor demands. <laughs> are you let me let me ask you this oh, question. No. Because yeah. I've already said I was like, oh, good thing I don't have to buy a fifth switch. But oh, we no, all know I'm a, we all we all know I'm buying it. Um, even though I'm claiming I'm not. Even though I'm, it I'm tr- only comes in black and white, the white is kind of hot. Darn it, Christina! I know, Christina. I know, I know, I know, and I'm mad at myself. But like, uh, look, part of me you're going like, to put your greasy hands all over those Joy Cons. Totally, but I really want the dock. I might just get the dock. I don't know. I, I'm holding out hope that I might have some self control. We all know I won't, but I'm holding out hope that I might. But what about you? Like, because you've had yours. I don't know. Like, do you have one or two switches? I can't remember. I just have one, um, okay. and it is the original model, so not the improved battery life model. Right, um, the one that, that you can hack. Trucking. No, totally, it is, and it, they're, they're great devices. And if anything, like they go for more online because they can be hacked. But will you? Be, since at the, by the time this comes out, like some people like you will have had their switches for like four and a half years. Is that going to be something that that you would consider upgrading? It, you know, knowing me, I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, just because I, aside from the Joy-Con drift, I've really had no complaints about my Switch so far. Um, you know, the the has even though I just said new battery life or better battery life would be great, and there is a Switch out there that has better battery life, it's not enough for me to say, eh, chuck this perfectly functioning device onto eBay and make money on it. Um and I also still just have, I, I believe they did solve it, but I have a lot of fears around Nintendo's game saves. Um, yeah. And just managing those in the cloud. Uh, and I I will cross that bridge when I come to it, but I will die if I lose any kind of saves in a in a uh, legitimate like console transfer. So that's yeah, my problem. Yeah, no. Although 100%. I am, to return to speaking of the the white uh, Nintendo Switch, I'm looking at the picture of it now. 
It is sexy and it would look yes. really great next to my PS5. So it would look really great you next to your PS5. Time, <laughs> it, it would also like look really good with all of your LED lights. Oh, God, like, you're right. Yeah. Honestly, it would really fit your aesthetic. I'm just saying, I'm just being honest with you, Simone. Like it would, it would, it would look really good. So never say never. You, you might, you might be swayed yet. We'll um, see. Yeah. Again, the new dock, maybe, 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 maybe. Yeah. Actually, I like that they're selling the the dock um, because the I think that for a lot of people, you know, maybe being a little bit better, having better audio stuff, but also having the integrated um, Ethernet, like, and like, it just looks really hot. Like, I think a lot of people might be down for that. So yeah, here we go. All right. So that is the story of the new Nintendo Switch. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Discourse. Discourse was founded in 2013 by Jeff Atwood from Stack Overflow, Robin Ward, and Sam Saffron. It's a powerful, flexible, open source community platform where discussions are searchable so you can find all the relevant details for your project. The platform is designed with moderation in mind, helping you keep the discussion on track and high value while minimizing the impact of trolls and spam. And it integrates with Zapier, Patreon, Memberful, and more. Uh, so this is a great solution, say, if you're run. I don't know, you listeners out there might have podcasts that are uh, supported by Patreon a potential solution to getting your community together and having them chat with each other or for teams working on projects, uh, even in, uh, with, uh, like outside companies, if you're looking for a chat platform to, uh, to get together and work online as we so often do these days. Discourse offers a 100% 14-day free trial, and after that, plans start at $100 a month. And the folks at Discourse are giving Rocket listeners 50% off your first two months after you start your subscription. So just go over to Discourse.org and use the coupon code RELAY2021 when signing up. That is Discourse dot org code relay 2021 when signing up for 50 percent off your first two months also oh ho ho relevant uh they have a new offering which is discourse for teams this is what i was just talking about it's perfect Woo-hoo. for smaller teams or businesses looking to use discourse to collaborate because it's a private focused discourse instance with added features that includes a new sidebar, automatic icebreakers, team updates, and more. It helps teams work together more effectively. Uh, currently, there is not an offer code for the team's offering, but plans start uh, for that at just $20 a month. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to teams.discourse.com. Uh, and for the code, go to uh, discourse.com. Uh, org and use the coupon code relay 2021 for the regular version of discourse so thank you so much to discourse for their support of this show and relay fm da 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 boy have we got a big topic two today yes as i attempt to close all my tabs from topic one yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a global spanning topic that's going to start right here in the U.S. of A. and go abroad, just as uh, we all maybe wish we could, but it's probably still not safe to do so. Former President Donald Trump today, hurrah, it's Wednesday, uh, has announced that he is suing Facebook, Twitter, and Google uh, over last year's bannings from said platforms. Uh 
post restricted, taken off of Facebook. Same with Twitter. Uh, he is upset. He has launched a class action lawsuit uh, in cooperation with a, a new nonprofit for created for doing these things. Uh, and he will be the chief plaintiff in this class action lawsuit against these social media platforms. Uh, he is arguing that he's been silenced. Um, and the lawyers are using the argument that, well, because even though the First Amendment only applies to the government, they are arguing that tech firms amount to state actors. And therefore, the First Amendment can be also applied to them. Hmm. Currently, these uh, social media platforms are protected by Section 230, uh, which we've discussed at length on this show. Everyone wants to get rid of it, except for some people who want to change it, except for some people who want to keep it. It's a provision that basically says, hey, use social media companies. You are not, you, you can't really be held responsible for the terrible, terrible posts that people make on your platforms. Users are responsible for those posts. Um, they can, of course, take things down. They can moderate at will, but they cannot say, you can't sue Mark Zuckerberg because I logged onto Facebook and I said, I will only eat Kraft brand American cheese and I despise <laughs> whatever competing American cheese brand is out there. You can't sue Mark Zuckerberg for my harmful, slanderous statements <laughs> against other cheese companies. This is a um, harmless example. But just wait <laughs> for what's happening everywhere else. So social media companies in our country are protected uh, under Section 230. But... There are some things happening globally around the world right now uh, in Hong Kong and India specifically, where laws are changing or um, being or considering changes uh, that would basically make social media companies responsible for users' posts in those countries. Um, Christina, would you like to add anything before I get into those specific details? Yeah, no, I think that that's a that's a good um, uh, summary. The reason that we wanted to talk about this, a the the Trump thing happened in that lawsuit, you know, whatever. I, I think that the the nicest, the most charitable interpretation of that would be that it is a pretty blatant, you know, fundraising attempt. I think that's the most charitable interpretation yes, of this whole thing. Don't give him money, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, but but I think that's that's the most charitable interpretation of this. But I think that the reason I wanted to bring this up, actually, um, listener of the show, um, um, Dayton, sent me a DM about. Some of the stuff that was happening in Hong Kong, um, uh, which also happened to coincide with some of the stuff happening in India. And that made me think that this would be kind of good as kind of an expanded topic. This would be kind of a good entryway in because it, to me, it's, you know, him claiming that uh, it, it's a First Amendment issue is a, on its face, kind of laughable. Not a lawyer, obviously, but that, that does strike me as pretty laughable. But the secondary thing where he's literally asking in the lawsuit, and, and there's no way that this can happen, he's like asking for them to find Section 230 unconstitutional, is hysterical, um, in part because if that were the case, then he would be even more easy to be banned. Like, you know, yeah. if, if these companies were actually liable for the things that he says, like they would be even less likely to want him to have any sort of content out there. Like it, you know, it's like, yep. how, how can you have it both ways? It, it, it seemed the two arguments seem diametrically opposed to one another. But before you get into some of the issues that have been happening in India and Hong Kong, I just kind of want to set the stage. That's why we were talking about this. Now that we want to give, you know, like, 
um, I guess, oxygen to his ridiculous arguments, but because I think that it's interesting to look at it in the context of the other things that are happening globally um, and um, and to, to think about, at least from my perspective, why I think that some of the calls for, you know, shutting down and, and re- recalling and like, uh, you know, getting rid of Section 230 could could be dangerous. That's really well said. And yeah, it's a situation where it, in this in this country, we have, you know, uh, law professors and lawyers going on record saying this is ridiculous and it's not going to happen. Uh, the great quote at the end of The Verge right up on this, I believe, nope, sorry, The Wall Street Journal right up was um, uh, Blake Reed, a clinical professor at the University of Colorado Law School, saying the lawsuit is a legally frivolous publicity stunt that essentially has no chance in succeeding in court but a high chance of drawing a lot of attention. Sorry for fulfilling the prophecy. However, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting because there are two countries, at least two countries right now, where such a uh, where such actions um, are are very different. Uh, where where this isn't necessarily a laughable thing. Um, so in India, this has been going on for a while. Uh, let me scroll down to my notes. Yes. So a new uh, intermediary guidelines in digital media ethics code uh, was instituted in India in May. And following that, Twitter has been having lots of clashes with the Indian government. So they had marked some tweets as manipulated media, some government tweets, and uh, the Indian police raided Twitter's offices in India. Um, and uh, WhatsApp has also sued the Indian government uh, because the Indian government was saying, well, if statements are made uh, against us, you need to be able to track those back to where they came from. And WhatsApp said, that is a violation of the privacy of our users. Um, no. So everyone is in trouble over there, basically. Um, and this uh, has you know, been a source of real danger for uh, Twitter employees in India because mm-hmm. they are the ones probably that would be first held responsible were Twitter yes. to be punished for um, for transgressions against the Indian government, which again counts as marking misleading, potentially misleading information as potentially misleading information, uh, which is a problem. They've threatened, the government threatened to jail Facebook, WhatsApp, and Twitter employees if Twitter failed to comply with requests, uh, such as like taking down content. And then also um, they are late on some of the things that they need to do in accordance with the new code, like hiring a um, hiring someone to oversee ethics and just a, a few... Um, sort of uh, top-level, like, oversight roles in that country. So that's that situation. Yeah, I mean, and, and to me, I mean, I think that it, that's really scary, you know, when you think about, especially if, if you are people, if you're management at, at these companies, where you're, now your employees who are not involved in these policy decisions, who don't have any sort of autonomy over this, where your offices are now being raided, and and these employees who many times are going to be some of the the people who are in the least amount of power. I mean, mm-hmm. especially for a company like Twitter, you know, it's, it's not like they're paid the same way that the U.S. employees are, and it's not like they have, you know, some of the the same other things. And, uh, you know, they're, they're primarily developers, and I, w- I would guess, you know, kind of support positions, but it's not as if these are you know, it's not Jack Dorsey that they're arresting. It is the people who live there and they're raiding these offices and potentially going to be saying, we will put these people in jail. And and we will, um, which which to me is is just horrifying and scary and just 
really just a complete affront to free speech and a, a, a complete affront to democracy, actually, mm-hmm. you know, when, when especially when the reasons that they're claiming for this is, oh, you've you've potentially marked things that the government um, disagrees with. Like, that's really, really terrifying to me. And and I, I would think, you know, if, if you are some of these companies who operate in India, you're having to ask yourselves, and we're going to talk about this in a second with the Hong Kong situation, you have to ask the, the question, is it worth it? Is it safe for us to operate here? Is it safe for our employees to be here? Should we still function, right? Um, mm-hmm. or, or should we just leave, right? Because this is, it's not so much that, you know, WhatsApp is suing the the government because what the government wants to do, WhatsApp believes, and, and I happen to agree with them, that it's, that it violates their users' privacy. But even if you, you didn't agree with that, if you're just saying, okay, we found that this breaks the law, and so we're now going to have the ability to go in and, and raid the offices and arrest, arrest employees, um, if you are those companies, I think that you'd have a lot of questions about like, is this is this safe? Can we continue to operate here or should we? Right? Like, yeah. It's a huge, huge ethical question. Uh, so to briefly summarize the Hong Kong situation, which you alluded to, uh, after the 2019 uh, protests in Hong Kong that started when uh, the Chinese government was trying to flex its control uh, more firmly over the city, a lot of people protested against that. And there was a lot of doxing that happened, I think, of, of, of everyone. Uh after during that like during the most heightened uh period of tension over there so the hong kong government is looking to introduce ways to uh to basically punish doxing more harshly and one of the laws that is being considered right now um we should be clear though we should be clear that when we talk about doxing we're really not talking about doxing regular citizens we're really talking about identifying people who are associated with the police yes yes yeah, I think that there well there's like identifying people associated with the police and then also identifying protesters if I'm not wrong. Yes. It's yeah. both, but, but 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 the the government's complaint is largely about the police who have been identified that by, is by a citizens. Good point. So so I want to point that out that 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 when I, I think sometimes when you hear the terms anti-doxing, you think, "Oh, well this sounds good. We don't like doxing." And then you mm-hmm. need to kind of understand the details which are it's identifying people who are police officers who are taking off their badges, who are are not in uniform, who are doing things, and then you know, kind of doing things about transparency and attempts to bring transparency to that is then being called doxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very valuable context. Thank you. Um, so basically, this proposed law is worded in such a way that has raised a lot of concern uh, with social media companies who are being represented by the Asia Internet Coalition. Uh, That includes companies like Google, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Law experts are saying that it is worded in such a way that it's not just, again, that Twitter would have to pay a million uh, dollars uh, if if they are found to be responsible for somebody to have docked someone on their platform. But the Mm -hmm. local staff could be, uh, quoting The Verge here, subject to criminal investigations and prosecution for doxing offenses by their users. Uh, and I believe they're, I want to say nine years in prison was one of the potential um, mm-hmm. cases. I'm going to double check that number, but it's a, a lot of money. Uh, sorry, five years. Yeah, uh, up to a uh, million Hong Kong dollars, which is 128,800 US dollars and up to five years imprisonment. Which is a long time. Yeah, um, I, I should note too that this is these things are not necessarily 
completely like it, it's not as if this isn't something that they could do. There was a daily newspaper in Hong Kong that recently shut down called Apple Daily, which was a pro-democracy newspaper that had existed for over 30 years. And it just shuttered. And the reason it shuttered wasn't because they ran out of money. They actually had money. They arrested and jailed most that the CEO, much of the staff, the publisher. Publisher was someone who was was wealthy and had a lot of money. And the government shut down um, any ability for them to pay for, you know, to, to the printing presses, to pay their suppliers, to get anything done. Like they, they literally like stepped in. And it, to me, it was a complete affront to democracy, a complete affront to the free press that Apple Daily, regardless of, of what you thought, even if you they're kind of a tabloid, but definitely had a point of view. Um, but but it's a, a publication that had existed for 30 years that no longer exists because the government not only arrested, but then interfered directly with their ability to, you know, make payments and have commerce and and shut down a newspaper, which should be horrifying to mm-hmm. anyone who presumes to support a free press. That the the that that was the impact of the Chinese government had um, on Hong Kong, and Hong Kong did this, and this happened like a week and a half ago. So these aren't idle threats. These are things that you know you hear about this. You're like Hong Kong, like reporters for Hong for for Apple Daily were jailed. And it's unclear, you know, if they're going to be able to get out of jail. I mean, it's it's really murky and really scary. Mm-hmm. So. And so uh, the Asian Internet Coalition basically made a statement to the Hong Kong government saying, quote unquote here, the only way to avoid these sanctions for technology companies would be to refrain from investing in offering services in Hong Kong. So basically they mm-hmm. would, as we were saying with the India situation, the severity of it would basically mean it would no longer make sense to operate uh, in Hong Kong. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen with this at the moment. Uh, the city's privacy commissioner for personal data is meeting with uh, people from the Asia Internet Coalition to discuss the concerns. But that one is still still up in the air. And uh, as a uh, Let's see, Paul Haswell and Christina was also saying, uh, Paul Haswell is quoted in the Wall Street Journal piece uh, from the law firm Pins and Masons. The the definition in the law is broad enough that doxing, as Christina was saying, could constitute an unflattering photo of a person taken in public or of a police officer's face, um, because that could be counted as, per- that could be argued to be personal data um, if it's posted with the attempt with malice um and i think after the last year in this country certainly we have plenty of reasons to post photos of uh people in positions of power with malice and i uh, completely i fully believe that that should not in any way be be criminalized uh so it, it is that is the situation that uh the social media companies are in in india and hong kong and it really yeah. really really is a sticky spot. And I think it also it, it also makes me wonder, you know, even if there's a world in which Facebook uh, or Twitter stopped operating in India, could they be held responsible if people are accessing them through VPNs in those co- yeah. in those countries? Like, no, I mean, that, that becomes interesting. Would, would you then go after individuals, right? Yeah. And, and what would happen there? Um, I mean, I think that and, and that's a scary thing to think about. And I, I think that's why these companies are fighting back as they should be. Um, it's interesting to see what the the Asia Internet Coalition was doing, which which is you know Facebook and Twitter and and Google. Um, 
they're essentially, and, and this is, I think, is why now the Hong Kong, you know, government is kind of saying, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk, no, no, nothing's defined yet, is that essentially they're kind of trying to use a lot of their power. Like Hong Kong um, has been the center, uh, one of the centers of, of kind of for, for Asia um, companies, for, for global companies to have a presence in Asia if they've wanted to have a presence someplace. Like it's been a real financial hub, even after... Um, it, it ceased being, you know, uh, part of uh, the British Empire and became, you know, uh, again, like was handed back to the Chinese government um, in 1997. It's it's continued to be this big hub for a lot of financial uh, activity happening in the region. And what this essentially does is we've already seen companies. There was something in the New York Times, I think it was, who uh, might have been the Wall Street Journal, but, but they've talked about how companies have already started to close their their Hong Kong offices mm. and and laid off their staff. And people are looking at places like South Korea and especially Singapore and saying, this is where we want to be. And so that's a bad thing to Hong Kong. Hong Kong doesn't want to lose that money. They don't want to lose, you know, yeah. the, the the commerce that comes from that, right? Like there are real um, downsides to that. And, and these companies do have a position of power that they can wield, and I'm glad they're wielding it. I think the same could be said for India. You know, I mean, I think that it'd be um, unfortunate. You don't want to see workers kind of put in the crosshairs, all the, although at the same time, it certainly doesn't seem like the government cares a whole lot about the workers right now yeah. either. But if, if you know, uh, these companies who are large employers, if they stand up and say, okay, we will pull out and we will get rid of all the, all the people that we have employed here, what does that do to a region? What does that do to an area? And, and there is leverage that these companies have. I think that as much as we are rightly critical of big tech, we should also acknowledge that sometimes having that leverage can be good when you're going up against, you know, like uh, dictatorships. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is fair at this point to call India's government a dictatorship um, and the and the Beijing government as well. It's a really terrible situation. Yeah. So it, it I think that this is going to be very interesting to watch because it is another step towards the fractured internet that we've talked about mm -hmm. a couple times on this show, which would just be a world in which you have your, you know, your France internet, your yeah. India internet, your uh, United States internet, and perception of online life is completely different in all of those places. And with what we've been seeing of just the the increasing disconnect between realities based on what digital media people are are taking in, um, you know, in America alone, you know, with d different news networks, specifically, I'll say Fox News with, you know, you, you get one version of, of the news from like Fox News and America One um, and another version from CNN. And those are just completely different worlds that you're living in. Um, it, I think, would only be exacerbated uh by necessity, if there were countries in in which communication like across borders um, and across social media platforms was even more um, heavily curated and restricted or blocked than it is now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I, I think that whatever your position is on, on 230 and we have different opinions as the host of this show, I think that this is one of the things that does make me really resident hesitant to certainly uh, completely against abolishing it but but even when looking at reform I, I i think okay we need to be careful here because these consequences could have really serious repercussions and do we want to look like 
what the way do we want to play a role in fracturing this internet as you say or do we want to you know play a role in um allowing and and perpetuating you know some of these dictators to do this sort of thing in the rest of the world mm-hmm. all right this episode of rocket is also brought to you by text expander from our friends at smile Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so that you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entries, spelling errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. Oh my goodness, I wish that <laughs> I wish I could have them do it. For, I wish I could have snippets implanted in my brain for when I'm recording Rocket. And then, yeah, oh my God, could you imagine, Christina? Then when I do the intro and I'm like, not remembering your job title i'm like wait is this the right job title i could you could just use my couple of yeah you could use your simple just say like three characters and or think three characters and the words just come out of you automatically that would be perfect um text expander amazing smile please start working on that but for now if you want to like use that on all of your devices that exists already. Uh, when you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates. Text Expander snip- snippets let you maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. It can also be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Uh, anywhere you type is the really important part of that. It's not just anywhere you talk with your mouth hole. Um, unfortunately, it is still restricted to every single platform and device that you type on. So, you know, you've got some options. You've got some options. Take back your time and increase your productivity. Christina, what do you like about Text Expander? What don't I like about Text Expander? Ooh. Actually, and this is interesting, we talk about the desktop app a lot, and I love that, but I actually use the mobile app sometimes too because it has like a custom keyboard that you can use. And I'm trying to remember what it was now, but there was something that I kept typing in a bunch on my phone the other week. It, it's, it's escaping my mind, but I, I created a text expander snippet because it was something that I was doing so frequently. And I was just like, okay, I can, I can use this on my phone too. That's one of the things I like about it is that it works across my platform. So if I come up with a snippet, uh, whether sometimes it's executing a script, sometimes, you know, it's just, um, you know, putting out, you know, text or thank you or, or sharing my Nintendo switch code or whatever the case may be. Oh, I like that oh, I can use it. Sharing the Nintendo switch code. Yeah, I have I have I have um like a, a three letter thing for my switch code thing, which automatically just gives me my uh you know my no my Nintendo you know switch friend code or whatever, and will output it so that I don't have to memorize it and I don't have to go looking it up. That's the best genius. Like it's so it's so good. Yeah. Well, uh, as a listener of Rocket, you can get twenty percent off your first year of Text Expander. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That is textexpander.com slash podcast. And you can get 20% off and that rules. Thank you so much, Text Expander from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. I'm going to take a big old gulp of water here. Mmm. Boy. Tonal shift. We've got a fun, fun scam town <laughs> dessert for you all. Oh, this is a my great one. goodness. There is a great piece uh on bloomberg from austin carr about a devious scam involving xbox gift cards real xbox gift cards specifically the little number that is on the back of your xbox gift card 
uh, that is called the 5 by 5 code because it contains 25 letters and numbers. I learned something already from this piece, right from the, the opening nut, the nut graph, Christina. I learned something. So, yes, <laughs> apparently a uh, an employee named Volodymyr Kvashuk, who was working uh, testing basically the e-commerce infrastructure of the Microsoft store. Uh, he, he was working at Microsoft. His job, I, disclosure, Christina works at Microsoft. I this sure guy do. no longer works at Microsoft. Spoiler: He does not. <laughs> uh, so his job was basically to receive codes and things and go through the motions of buying products on the Xbox Store. Uh, there was a special uh, code so that the the system would know. Oh, this is someone testing. We're not actually going to ship a product out. This is fine, and he would make sure that nothing broke as he was purchasing things such as Dell PCs and whatnot. Um, on the online store. Great. So far, so good. However, he noticed a flaw in the system, which was that when he was testing gift cards, purchases of gift cards, the Microsoft store would give him a 5x5 code. And it would be a real 5x5 code, one that was Uh worth purchase points, purchase power, money, money that could be used. Um... Now, these gift cards are in high demand. Obviously, everyone wants to buy things from the Microsoft Store, for one. But also, they're they're tangential to the Bitcoin market in that people will buy or sell them for Bitcoin or, like, as a way to cash out with Bitcoin. So he realized... Yeah, there's, like, like a way people use them for money laundering, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Our our scam towns really always do come back to money laundering, don't they? They really do. Honestly, it really always comes down to money laundering. And and in this case, that's totally what people use gift cards for. It's one of the reasons why when you have scammers who are trying to scam you, like, you know, they call old people or other stuff, they pretend to be tech support, and, and they want people to buy them gift cards at places. And the reason they do that is because they can exchange that for, you know, they, they, they can liquidate that in other ways, whether it's for, for Bitcoin or for other stuff. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So uh, with this newfound knowledge, uh, Mr. Kvashuk decided not to tell <laughs> Microsoft that there was a huge problem <laughs> in, uh, in their infrastructure, but instead to begin to get those five by five code five codes and sell them online generate 10.1 million dollars in uh in gift cards essentially mm-hmm. buy a house um <laughs> and live large and in fact basically like start a, a company laundering gift cards yeah yeah he had a company had a company doing this while he's still working at microsoft mind you and also his opsec i gotta say bro not great right like there was clearly reading the article, and I, I don't know the details. I would love to know the details, but I don't know the details, at least on on uh, Microsoft's end, about like all the things that like kind of went wrong. But there were clearly things where it was like, okay, they were sharing, you know, test accounts with one another and had, um, you know, easy to guess passwords, and mm-hmm. and lots of people could have had access to these things. And so there were some good thing. There were some things there that obviously, from like a internal security standpoint, wasn't great. But he was also caught really quickly because he was dumb as hell. Like he used the same computer to log into everything, even though he was using a VPN. Oh no. And so, so like, they could still fingerprint his browser and stuff. It's like the VPN isn't the only thing that tracks you, bro. He also was, like, some of the initial purchases, like, when he figured out, like, the cards actually worked, 
he made a purchase for um, a copy of Office that he registered to his business. No. He bought, like, graphics cards with some of the stuff and had them sent to a place where he used to live, but a, a different unit number and then a name that wasn't his name, but was kind of close enough. It was one of those things where it was like, okay, it's it's my address, but it's not my unit. It's a unit that doesn't exist, but it's, like, a vaguely Russian-sounding name. So I'm clearly just going to be, like, watching you know, for this for this thing to be delivered or whatever and, and and grab these graphics cards. Like there was there was stuff that was just like so easy to do. Plus, like he'd used his own user account for some of the early gift cards to generate them. They were able to tie it back to him. Like later on he got smarter and was like generating them on accounts that were associated with lots of people, right? So he could have possible deniability. Mm-hmm. But then he did all this like OPSEC stuff which is dumb as hell, right? Also like paying cash for a house on Lake Washington, which oh. you know like which, which you used to live here, so you know, like that is not a that is a very expensive area. Um, let's just put you know, it that the way. thing it, is though, it, in however, what it was it like 2018, 2019 when this happened, big red flag. Oh, yeah. 2021, paying cash for a house, different world, different situation. Even then, people paid cash, but it was one of those things where it was like if you're looking at his other financial things. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That that's what I'm saying. Like like not the fact like because people who sold him the house, like that wasn't really a red flag for them. They're like, yeah, there are plenty of rich people who come in and pay cash for stuff, never even see the place. Plenty of people who don't even live in this country buy houses and pay cash for but them. But not like so, entry level Microsoft employees. Right. And also like you know, if they're going to be, if, if the feds are, are thinking they're onto something, like they do a slight audit of his finances, they're going to be like, where'd that okay, come where from? where's this coming from? <laughs> right. Goodness. Yeah. And I, I think also the the sheer amount of uh, codes that he was generating is stunning. Yes. So the article mentions that there are points when you can see the gift card market, the gift card value fluctuate simply because no, of I the amount this. of gift card codes that this guy is pushing into the market and then he would have to intentionally hold back and wait for the value of uh, gift card resale to rise again so that he could continue doing his dirty deeds of, of fraud and uh, theft. Um, but that stunning one person making the entire uh, gift card resale economy go up and down. Absolutely mind boggling the amount of, of money that managed to pass through him. Um, and of course, I'm t- having ten point one million dollars, you know, net uh, over time. That's a that's a huge amount. Yeah, it's it's like, bro, it's like you do it in little bits and drops, right? Like people are gonna notice when ten point one million dollars of additional gift cards are generated, or like when when you're literally having an impact on the on the secondary supply of these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's you know too I mean? much. Like you gotta you gotta exactly. take it slow. <laughs> That that's exactly it. It's like you know you you got a like again like you did opsec stuff though it just wasn't good to be like you you got to take it slow. Um, really really interesting story. Really great read. Uh, just as somebody who like I haven't done this. So if anybody is listening who I work with, like don't fire me, don't get mad at me. But I've really wanted to kind of like search through our internal SharePoint to like find out like if there's like more details oh of this I can goodness. I can find out. Because I would love to, because because people don't protect things very well, and I'm like, I'm so curious. I'm like, I want to know, like, what did the investigation say? I'm sure that that is not available for me to view at all. But I would love to know more. Like, I I would love to just have drinks with the the team, um, the fist team. That's literally what they're called, the fist team. Why? Um, I I don't know. That's just what the acronym stands. That's just what the acronym okay. is. And okay. and, and, and oh. it, it, but but 
it is it, the acronym is fist. It's hysterical. Uh, I would love to have like drinks with them and be like, all right, completely off the record. Like just, just us as like being bros. Like tell me how so you, this how is you your first like, post pandemic goal. <laughs> Whenever you get back in the office, oh, you are going to track down I the wanna, fist like, find team. <laughs> I'm going to find out the people I'm going to be like, look, I will never speak a word of this. I just want to know from my own edification. I will keep it with me and like hold it tightly within myself because I'm just curious. I just, I want to know about how they caught him because that to me is so interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. I, the link to this story on Bloomberg is in the show notes. Do go check it out. It is pretty freaking incredible. It's a great read. It is a great read. Also, also like, come for the for the Scamstown, stay for the anecdotes about his Instagram influencer girlfriend because she's fabulous. Absolutely. All right, Christina, what are you? Whoa, hang on. <laughs> Christina, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Top 4 from Relay FM. Because if you Ooh. like our show, there's a good chance you'll also like Top 4. It's a monthly show about opinions, lists, and loosely held rules. From music to milk, Pringles to woodland creatures, hosts Tiff and Marco Arment can make a Top 4 list out of anything. And it will probably make you delightfully furious. The glory of Top 4 is that you can just start listening at any episode. No context needed. They're just making lists and having fun. Uh, do you care about instant coffee? Card games, TV couples, Pop-Tarts, misheard Eddie Vedder lyrics? Well, boy, have I got the podcast for you. On top four, nothing is off limits. Nothing can escape Marco and Tiff's hilarious judgments. So go indulge in that randomness. Go to relay.fm slash top four. That is four, the number, but spelled out, F-O-U-R, top four, or search for top four wherever you get your podcasts. I get them. From Overcast. Thanks, Marco. Um, yes. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Christina, what are you doing this week? Well, it's still warm here in Seattle, but it's uh, fortunately it's cooled down a little bit. Um, I'm uh, I'm just I'm just kind of chilling. I'm not doing anything like too exciting. Oh, what I am doing. I'm very upset about this because I know it's going to be terrible. Oh. I haven't seen the screeners, but I'm very upset about this. So the new Gossip Girl comes oh. out tomorrow. And they've I've ruined heard it. it's pretty terrible. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who wanted a woke Gossip Girl? I'm just asking, honestly. Like, I, I'm sorry, but the whole point of Gossip Girl, I feel is like that, it's folk. It's like faux woke. But, but I don't, I don't think so. Like, I think they're being earnest. I think they're actually trying to be earnest oh, with it. I think anyone who's trying to appeal to like the youth demographic, yeah, and is, and, and, is but, doing it in a faux, in, in a in a non earnest way. Yeah, no, I think I think though that they're actually being earnest about it. And here's the thing: Gossip Girl is the second best teen drama of the aughts. Um, I would argue. I say the OC is the first, is the best, but but look, if you want to make the argument that the, the Gossip Girl is the best, I will listen to that argument. But it is it is one of the best like teen dramas of the aughts. It's very much at that time. The whole point. It is a great show. Like even if the series finale, we ignore that. Like it's a great show. The whole thing is that it's about excess and kind of celebrating it and it's very much of its time. Don't try to make me like feel sorry for the rich kids. Like I don't care. Like mm. like that's not what it's about. Like it's no. it's about kind of like enjoying the revelry of the whole thing. Yeah. It, I'm it, so sorry that it, they did this to you specifically. Yeah. I, I know. Thank you. I, thank you very much because I do feel like I personally have been injured by this, and I haven't even seen it yet. But I just, I everything I've read it like that it's going to be terrible. So, um, 
I'm I'm going to be trying to like come to terms with them ruining something great and um you know reminding myself that at least the original gossip girl is still around that 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 Blair Waldorf Simple will, will course never of be action. replaced. Don't watch hmm. it. <laughs> I know, but I'm going to ha- I have to. I have to watch like the pilot because of who you then are as a person. Exactly. And 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 then I'll never watch it again. It'll be like when they rebooted Melrose Place, which I'm still mad like 13 years later. So it, it's one of those things. But yeah, so that that's what I'm kind of coming to terms with is is how, you know, they're slowly but surely doing their best to ruin all the things that I love about my youth. All right. What about you? Uh, God, what am I doing? Absolutely nothing. I got Woo-hoo. back from vacation. So I'm just getting back, you know, back in the in the groove at Polygon. But I do have a, a reading recommendation. I guess what I did this week, I read this great uh, E. Alex Jung profile of Jennifer Coolidge on Vulture, um, where it, it, Jennifer Coolidge lives in like a dark mansion in New Orleans and has black candles and a like wind up doll that her grandparents gave her uh, from of nebulous origins. And she invites Alex into her home and with and, like takes him out for lunch and breakfast and stuff. And it's just generally delightfully wacky. Um, so if you would like to read uh, just an incredible work of celebrity profile about somebody who, who I have a newfound appreciation for, I mean, Jennifer Coolidge was already great. I did not Absolutely. know she was so weird, and I love this. I, I love didn't either. This. And I mean, I'm very excited about this because I've been a big fan of hers for forever. But this, um, I'm, I haven't read this, and so now I'm very excited. I just uh, retweeted a link to the article. So uh, okay, wonderful. I, so I, 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 I will put it in the show notes. Like a, a completely uh, generous person, the generous person that I am. I love it. I love it. Uh, speaking of uh, tangentially of Jennifer Coolidge, uh, we should give snaps to uh, Sir Reese Witherspoon, who rumors are reports are that she is is in talks to sell her production company, um, Hello Sunshine, uh, for like a billion dollars. Damn. So like our girl is about to be like mogul rich, which good for her. So anyway, that, I don't that's approve completely... of anyone having a billion dollars. But if I had to, it would be Reese. It would be Reese, right? I mean, she wouldn't personally, but like she have like. I'm sure she'd get a few hundred million, which look, I'm with you. But if anybody should, but if anybody should, again, Reese, like, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just kind of love this, that, that like no one would give her parts that she wanted. Like they wouldn't yeah, cast her yeah. on good she's stuff. Made some so she great, starts her own company and then like, company. and then has made like great content. She's like, okay, well you won't do this. So I'm just going to make it. And, and now I did a really she, good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Um, Good for you, Reese. If you're listening, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. But it hasn't <laughs> happened yet, but like we're rooting for you. Like we want nothing but the best oh, for you. Goodness. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Christina, where can people find you online? So you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find the videos I do at work. Um, they're on hiatus for a while, but uh, when I do do them, they're at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon, uh, where we just put out a video that I edited, uh, Pat wrote and hosted, that's about Valdo from Soul Calibur and what his nice. whole deal is. It's great. It was so much fun to edit. Oh, my goodness. If you like this show, remember that we have a third ho- co-host. Mm-hmm. Ho-host? Hoaxed. 
<laughs> we have a third co-host, and her name is Brianna Wu, and she needs your help. She's literally in the hospital right now. I cannot stress enough that that was not a joke. Here's the part that kind of is a joke, or is it? If you do review, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, I swear she gave me permission. No, she ordered me. She ordered me to say this. Mm -hmm. She said she will get out of the hospital sooner if uh, the podcast gets so many ratings on Apple Podcasts. Um, And again, she did not say whether they had to be five-star ratings. Please don't tank our podcast reviews just for the meme. However, yeah. if you I would mean, like to you have review, to like, 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 yeah, seriously. Also, like, if you have to, please make it funny. Like, oh, yeah. that's the only make thing it I super, ask. Make it really obvious for people reading it that you are joking. Um, mm-hmm. And other than, you know, unlike all the jokes that I make with my horrible mouth on this show. Um, and that's all we ask of you. So thank you so that much all for we listening. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. <laughs>